pick up in verse 1 because this is a very, very important uh, story in the Gospels. As a matter of fact, um, there are seven miracles recorded in the book of John, and this is one of them. We, the Pool of Siloam was another healing one that we did. But you're standing at the actual Pool of Bethesda. So as we go through this story, uh, please know that this happened exactly right here. So verse 1 says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Bethesda means house of mercy. I love it. It's a pool of mercy, basically. And uh, it had five porches, according to verse 2 here, five porches, five is the number of grace. So what you're going to find here is a beautiful story on mercy and grace. I love it. It's, it's Jesus, basically. Uh, the porches would have been covered, which would have allowed the disabled people to lie, protected from the weather, and so forth. So here you have a group of diseased and ill people. They're a, they're a picture of those who are gripped with some sort of disability, and they're lying at the house of mercy and the house of grace. They have a, they have a disability, they have a problem, and they're lying here where they should be having mercy and grace. Now, verse 3, In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease that he had. So, troubling waters is to be taken literal. I, I know that there, there are people that question, you know, did this really happen? If it didn't happen, verse 7 doesn't make any sense. So we have to be take the way you take the Bible is literally, unless it's, it's explained otherwise. So you have a literal moving of the waters, and as we said, the Bible is always to be taken literally. Some commentaries try to omit this. They try to make it like it's just a fantasy. They try to make it like, well, people believe that. I don't believe that at all, because then verse 7 doesn't make sense. In addition to that, why would anybody, especially a man so sick for 38 years, sit around waiting on something that he's never seen happen? Apparently, he's actually seen somebody get healed from this. Otherwise, he would just pick up and move along somewhere else. So you would think that after all these years, verse 5, now a certain man who was there who had an infirmity 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew, hold this just a second, and knew that he was sick. i got to change my pages and the Bible is blowing all over the place. All right, perfect. That he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? I love this. You would think that here's a man sitting here for 38 years wondering for something to happen. His hopes, his dreams... Everything that he longed for were dashed time and time again. Can you imagine how frustrating it would be to sit there, to see the moving in the water, but because you're disabled and can't move, someone else jumps in before you. They run off, dancing, praising God, leaping, having a wonderful time. They got their miracle, you didn't get yours. Isn't it amazing how sometimes in church we do the same thing? We're a little down. Things are not exactly the way we want. Our prayers aren't being answered. And someone's up testifying about how great God is and how they've been blessed and how their kid came to Christ, how their, their family member got healed. And you're sitting around going, why didn't that happen for me? I'm still in my disabled condition. My prayers are still not answered. That's what this man must have felt. Have you ever had your hopes dashed time and time again? 
Have you believed God for your miracle and for many years and it still hasn't happened? That's what this man was dealing with. Could it be, why did, the question is, why did Jesus pick him? Why did he pick him to be well? Could it be that Jesus was showing mercy to this man who had no one else to help him? Could it be that he looked down and said, everyone else had the opportunity, but this man had no one? I don't know. Have you ever, uh, Jesus saw this man lying in his disabled and his desperate condition. And the question is, why did he pick him? Why did he choose this guy? I mean, he probably had to step over other sick people to get to this particular man. Why did he do this? Was it because others could beat him to the pool? Was it they had an infirmity longer than everyone else? Was it that Jesus was, uh, was wanting to pick him over somebody else? I, I think one thing for sure that we do know is Jesus asked him this question, do you want to be well? And it's the same question Jesus is asking us today. Do you want to be well? Because Jesus wants your whole life well, not just part of your life. He doesn't want you just to be saved and that's it. He wants all of your life to be well. So notice something very important. It was Jesus who initiated the relationship. He approached the man reaching out. And I mentioned this in another miracle. In the Gospels, most people reached out for Jesus. Most people shouted to Jesus. Most people were begging of him. In this case, Jesus reaches out to the man. Jesus spots him in his condition and says, man, I, I want to make you well, basically. So this is a very heartwarming and very touching um, and revealing story demonstrating how Jesus wants to reach out to every one of us. He sees us in the condition that we're in. He sees the problems that we face. He sees the tears that nobody else sees. He sees and he hears the prayers that your spouse doesn't even know you're praying. He knows what you're going through and he reaches down with arms of grace and mercy in our pool of Bethesda in our hearts and he says, do you want to be well? No matter how you perceive, what you perceive Jesus to be like, no matter what, here's the truth of his character. He is compassionate, he is gracious, and he is mercy. He is a wonderful God, amen? He knows all of our conditions and isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus reaches out to the down and out and to the spiritually out, and to the spiritually up and in, to every one of us. And he asked this powerful question, do you want to be well? That's a question for us today. Jesus wants to make us all well, but the question is, do we want to be well? Or would it be too faint, painful to hope again? Would it be too painful to believe again? Would it be too painful to dream again? Do you want to be well? Do you, do you want to be well of your spiritual disabled condition due to sin? Do you want to be well of spiritual blindness and spiritual lameness? Do you want to be well of, of a dry season, of disease, of sickness, of financial crisis? Do you want to be well of emotional distress or social ineptness? Do you want to be free? Do you want to be liberated? Because Jesus is offering that to all of us today. Hallelujah. Well means a person being completely whole. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, I'm able to make every part of your life completely whole again and completely well again. Every part. What Humpty Dumpty can't do, I can. Humpty Dumpty, the man fell off the wall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put him back together again, but Jesus can. Hallelujah. The man's eyes, the problem was in verse 7, the sick man answered him saying, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming up, another steps down before me. I love this. His eyes were on the water, and he could only see the water 
as a possible answer to his solution. He, could only, he believed he could only be healed by the water. He never was looking to God. But watch what Jesus says. I love it. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. In other words, the answer was standing right in front of him in the man Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus was saying, your, your, your eyes are in the wrong place. You need to be looking to God. You need to be looking to Jesus. Are you looking for answers in all the wrong places? Where are you placing your faith? Is it in a new loan? Is it in a doctor? We love doctors, but is it, is it in a psychiatrist, a therapist, in a pastor, in the Koran, in People's Magazine or Reader, Reader's Digest? Is your faith in another article on the internet? The only person who has every answer we'll ever need is Jesus Christ. And the only book we'll ever have all the answers we need is this Bible right here. And that's basically what he was saying. He said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. A mat was the poor man's bedding, basically. He wants you to pick up the thing that has held you bound. He was basically saying, take the thing that once defined you, and you pick it up, and now you define it. Take the one thing that once held you down, and you pick it up, and you carry it now. The thing that once conquered you, you now conquer. The thing that once made you a victim, you're now the victor over. You carry it around as a testimony, and you share it with everybody you come in contact with that Jesus Christ has set you free. He's already provided us with everything that we need to carry out His commands, right? Lazarus come forth, and he did. Talitha kumai, that means damsel, I say unto you, arise, she did. Go your way, royal official, your son lives, he did. To the leper be clean, he was. To the man with 38 years being disabled by the pool of Bethesda right here, he was healed. Yeah, sure. Okay, if you can keep hearing me. In closing here, as you're continuing... No, 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 that's fine. I'm almost done. In verse 9 here, in verse 9, so verse 8, Jesus says to him, Rise up, take your bed and walk. Verse 9, I love this. It says, and immediately, immediately, instantaneously, the man didn't question it. The man didn't think about it. The man didn't wonder. The man didn't say, well, I don't know if this is really going to be true. Immediately, the man was made well. He took up his bed, and he walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Watch this. The man did not know he was healed until he obeyed the command of the Lord. Jesus never pronounced a word of healing over him. He just said, rise up, take your bed, and walk. That's all he said. He merely commanded the man to act. The man would show his faith by an act of obedience to what Jesus told him to do. If he believed, he would rise and walk. And it's the same way for us today. Jesus is waiting for us to walk out our faith. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Are you acting in your life like God is telling you the truth? If we really believe in our hearts, we'll act like God has already answered our prayer. This man's action would activate the power of God. I like to use this illustration. It's like a motion detector in your house. What happens? When you walk by, it detects motion, and what happens? The lights come on. The power is there. The illumination is there. But it only comes on by movement. It's the same way with the power of the Word of God. The power is there. The illumination is there. But it only works if you walk it out. It only, it's designed to express itself by movement. 
The same way that the motion detector lights are designed to express itself when it, de when it detects movement, this is designed to detect itself when it sees movement. Hallelujah. Could this happen, has have, ha have happened to us? Are we waiting to be healed, delivered, or set free? And Jesus is really waiting for us to obey his command. He never said, you're healed, get up, rise up, in your, and walk. He just said, rise up and walk. We may be praying for our miracle, waiting for God to move, and God is saying, well, I'm waiting to see some movement. Because faith is, move, is based on movement, not our mouths. It's a walk by faith, not by sight, right? It's by legs and not by lips. We have a role in our miracle, and that is to obey Jesus' spoken word. Anytime you find in the Bible somebody got healed, it was always because they obeyed a command of the Lord. So I have a question for you today in closing. Are you praying for God to do something when really God's waiting for you to do something? Are you praying for God for your miracle and God's really saying, well, I'm waiting for you to take off and walk. I'm waiting for you to move forward. I'm waiting for you to act on the last command I gave you. If you're not hearing the voice of God in closing, if you're not hearing the voice of God anymore, and you say, why isn't God speaking? Could it be, go back to the last time he spoke and ask yourself, did I follow his directions? Did I obey? Because if you didn't, go back and obey and you'll begin to hear his voice again. So the question is, like the man at Pool Bethesda, if you're here and you're saying, I need some kind of deliverance, I need some kind of freedom, the same man that got healed here 2,000 years ago, we can be healed right here, right now. But God's waiting for us to walk out his word, to act out the faith, to act like Jesus is telling the truth. Amen?